There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Oh, this is uh, Kevin Sheridan, and uh, it's good to be uh able to record this. I was told to record this and uh, kind of share my thoughts on a certain subject. Um, So uh, hopefully this is of value to somebody out there. Uh, But I'm here in southeastern Oklahoma, and I'm just getting over a fever. Um, And um, so uh, I've got a lot of time on my hands, although I will have to preach some messages tomorrow. Uh, not have to want to preach them, but I do pray that you will pray for me during this time of sickness. And my wife is sick, and my kids are sick. I think the dog is sick. Um, I saw a roach bug the other day. I think it's sick. Everybody's getting sick around here. So do pray for the Sheridan household here in southeastern Oklahoma. I would appreciate it. All righty. So I was sitting around thinking about something, and the thought I had was, um, you know, I grew up because my dad was a military missionary, a missionary to the military, I should say. I grew up in, in and around Oxfordshire uh, in, a, in a little town called Steeplaston, a little village, I should say, not far from a military base. So Oxford Canal, I could walk to the Oxford Canal from my house, and Oxford was only 15 miles away, and one time I actually walked there with a friend of mine. So we lived under the shadow of C.S. Lewis and John Wycliffe and all those people. Of course, I was a 15-year-old kid. I didn't know anything about those guys. But I heard their name, C.S. Lewis, all the time. C.S. Lewis talks about a thing called joy. So I, you know, surprised by joy, which I've read. He has a lot of good takes on things. Um, But I wanted to know if King James Bible believers, now that I'm sick with a fever, I just had this thought. Does a King James Bible believer have anything to say about joy? You know, what do we have? It's powerful. Some of the things that that Anglican Church of England, who is a spiritual son of King Henry VIII, he has a lot to say about joy. So maybe we who have a good, you know, we have the truth and that sort of thing. We should say something as a King James Bible to doctrinal believer as well. So, I begin to look up a phrase, and that phrase is um, that your joy may be full. And we see that in a couple of places, and I want to share that with you, and maybe we can get something from that. The first verse is, as the is in John chapter 15, verse 9, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love, it says. Now, in verse 10 of John 15, it says, If ye keep my commandments, uh, ye shall abide in my love, 
even as I have kept my father's commandment and abide in his love. The last verse, verse 11 says, These things I have spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So there's the phrase that your joy might be full. So the question is, you know, what is it about joy in the Bible? What is the the thing that would give us more joy when studying a full joy? We understand that there's different in the gearbox of joy. You could have joy, you can have happiness, but this this idea of full joy, where does that come from? That was the thing that Lewis was struggling with. Whether or not the man was saved, I have no idea. All right, I don't want to, you know, offend you if you really love. Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe or whatever, but I don't know if the man was saved or not, but he brought up some good questions. So the question is, do this idea of full joy, uh, can we have it? Well, we see here, it says in verse 11, these things I have spoken unto you that you might uh, remain in, uh, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. To have the joy of Christ along with your joy together. Now, that's an important thing there. But what we see here is, um, it says, uh, verse uh, 9, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. What we see here is we see one of the things that we need to focus on when it comes to the fullness of joy is the example of the Father and the Son relating to each other. That's an example to us. And we see that in love. In verse 9, it says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. You talking about an example. The reason I have joy in these verses is because that we've got a perfect example of love. Do you know of a more perfect love than, than uh, the Father loving the son and vice versa. There was a, um, speaking of a, of wickedness and carnality, there was a song by, I think it's Trisha Yearwood. I had to look this up to find it, but I remember it in 1998, I think it was. The name of the song is We Got a Perfect Love. And I think that's still a song that's out there in the, in the ether, I think. I don't listen to secular music, but I hear it at Walmart and things like that. Well, Sitting around drinking coffee and traveling the country, according to that song, is a perfect love. And those things are nice, but let me tell you something. You talk about a perfect love when the Father loves the Son, the Holy Son of God, when the persons of the Trinity, of the Godhead, love each other. Wow, I have full joy knowing I've got the best example on the universe. In contrast, there are many people the reason they never can reach joy is because they don't have a King James Bible. The reason they can't have joy is because they don't have the ultimate example of true love um, that is perfect, that is a perfect love. Furthermore, I've, I've, for a second time, we've got to move on. I could preach on that for hours. But if you look at another concept, and that is uh, joy because of divine fellowship, over in 1 John chapter 1, 3 through 4, it says this. It says, That which we have seen and we have heard, 
declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now you'll see that phrase again in the next verse. And these things we write unto you that you uh, that your joy may be full. There it is again. So you see there the fellowship between the Father and the Son. Again, that is, um, we have full joy knowing that we have the perfect example of fellowship. We wonder why we, why it says, James says, there's, there are fightings among you and things like that. One of the reasons why that is, is because you've got the example of the greatest fellowship that ever existed between the Father and the Son. I don't care about, you know, mega churches calling themselves fellowship and having a golf fellowship or having this kind of fellowship or a turkey fellowship. All those things are nice. But the most important, and I've got the fever, I'm trying to, I'm struggling here a little bit. But the most important fellowship that there is out there is the fellowship between God, the Father, and His Son. The two persons of the Godhead perfectly in, in, in lockstep together in perfect love. And we will never reach that holy example. That is not the reason why our joy is full. The reason why our joy is full is because that example is laid out for us. Because we see that we need that. When we don't have a perfect fellowship, it's because of our own flesh getting in the way. And that's not walking in the things of God. But I tell you, I'm glad that I'm not an aimless person in life that that lives life with no ex- divine example of, of all, of fellowship, no divine example of that. That's where joy comes from. Joy comes from the full joy. That's the fifth gear. That's the highest gear that you can have in joy. It says there in that verse, and these things we write unto you that your joy may be what? Full, not partial, but full. How do you get full joy? You get full joy knowing that there's a holy example of of God exhibiting something before you that gives you that. In contrast, I would be depressed if all I had for fellowship and love were a country music song or a Hollywood movie. What what a what a pitiful thing. You know, watching some teeny bopper movie about some girl that love some boy somewhere, and then they end up fighting and cheating on each other. And that's all the world has for love and fellowship. That's all they know about that. And that's one of the reasons why they can't never get joy. That's one of the reasons why they'll never be reached that high level, that the highest level of joy there is, what the King James Bible calls uh, full joy. Because they don't, they don't have the primary example that they need. Beyond that, I'm going to turn over here to another um, example of that joy. And we have full joy because of a divine uh, example of joint ownership. And let me show you that over in John chapter number 16. And for the second time, maybe I've got some time here. Let me see. Uh, for the second time here, we're gonna, I'm going to read some of these verses. Now, this the entire context of chapter 15 is the comforter coming. If the comforter comes, that the Lord Jesus Christ has to go away. 
And the disciples were sorrowful, obviously, knowing that they're that the Son of God was not going to be on the earth again for them. And so he says a lot of words of comfort there. One of the things he says for the sake of time, I'm going to read, it says in verse 15, the Bible says, he was saying to the disciples this, and he says, all things that the Father, you, you see the Trinity again, the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. There's that fellowship in the Godhead again. Almost every time you see uh, this idea of having full joy, the Godhead, the, the relationship between the Father and the Son, the first and the second person of the Trinity is always exhibited before us. Now look at verse 23. This is what it says. Furthermore, in that same chapter, in that same thread, it says this. And in that day, Ye shall ask me nothing. That is to say, when that you won't physically ask him, we won't be there to ask. But he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it unto you. He's talking about prayer. And in verse 24, hitherto, that means up until now, hitherto have ye asked nothing in, in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. Don't you have a great joy? Look, I might be poor down here. I may not have much. And I might have a lot of spiritual needs that I need to ask God for. But don't, aren't you glad that there's a God in heaven that you can ask? Aren't you glad there's somebody in, that has that primary example? Because it says in verse 15, it says here, that all the things that the Father hath are mine. Let me tell you something. God may not give me everything, material and otherwise, but I worship a God that has it all. And for my benefit and for my, and according to his will, he either gives or withholds what he needs to from his servant down here in Antlers, Oklahoma. Thank God that I have a God, that that example of, of, of the Father and the Son, the Son has all things in the Father. Let me tell you something. I feel sorry for the Seventh-day Adventist. I've got a friend of mine that lives up in the hills right above Antlers, kind of lives by himself off the grid and that sort of thing. He's, the man's I respect him a great deal, but, you know, he doesn't believe in, in the Father. He believes the Father and the Spirit are, are just uh, modalistic, um, you know, apparitions or whatever they believe there. I'm glad I believe in the persons of the Trinity to see that that great witness of things. I'm gl- I'm glad that the that uh, I have the example of the, of the Son and the Father relating to each other. The two the uh, the two of the of the three persons of the Godhead, one God and three persons, but them relating to each other, not just in fellowship, not just in love, but in possession. I'm glad that one day um, I will have all things, amen? I'll be able to walk on the streets of gold and and and, and have everything uh, that, my, that my heart desires because I'll have uh, one of the uh, heart that's wonderful without, without any problems, amen, without any sin, without any sin nature. And, and God hasten the day. But let me tell you something. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing, this example. God bless you.
There's a lost soul who's tired of his sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania. 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the re-